Well, welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. What an amazing season it is as we journey together toward Christmas. This word Advent comes from a Latin word that means coming. And so we use these weeks leading up to Christmas as an opportunity to celebrate the coming of Jesus, God's Son, the Messiah, the Savior and Lord of the world. Advent is a season of great anticipation, and I'm delighted that you're with us today as we embark on this journey. It's a journey of the soul and heart. It's also a journey that will realign our expectations and experience of the Christmas season. And it's a journey in which we will explore the traditional Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love brought in and through Jesus Christ. No matter where you find yourself today, you are invited into this journey. Think about the people who were a part of the journey toward the very first Christmas. Mary, Joseph, a jealous king, some common shepherds, an innkeeper, the magi, and so many more. While the pace of our lives today would probably make their heads spin, each of these people were facing their own challenges and difficulties. They didn't have all the answers. They hadn't spent hours getting ready, making sure they were prepared for the supernatural events awaiting them. They didn't even understand what was happening at the time, even when angels appeared to them or a star guided their path. But all the original Christmas story cast answered God's invitation to come and see the arrival of his son. Will you say yes to the journey? Will you answer God's invitation to come and see what the heart of Christmas is all about this Advent season? Will you come with me to Bethlehem, drawn by the hope, peace, joy, and love that wait for us there? The heart of Christmas, this morning, the first Sunday of Advent, our first lesson in this series, is all about how hope is at the heart of Christmas. Earlier, I asked you to turn with me in your Bible to Romans 15, so follow along now as I read this verse. Romans 15, verse 13, Paul writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is at the heart of Christmas. Let's begin today's lesson by explaining hope. What exactly is this hope that Romans 15, 13 tells us will fill us, will, will actually overflow in our lives as we trust in God. Well, the dictionary defines the English word hope like this, the longing or desire for something accompanied by the belief in the possibility of its occurrence. Some of the synonyms for hope include wish, dream, want, await, yearn, assume, suppose, desire. But the word hope, as it's used in the Bible, is much, much more than a longing or desire, a wish or a dream. Both the Hebrew word tikva in the Old Testament and the Greek word elpis in the New Testament may be translated expectation or anticipation. The Bible word hope implies hope with certainty or hope with conviction. It is to have an unwavering and unshakable assurance. Tikva 
in its various forms is used 36 times in the Old Testament. Many of those are found in the Psalms. Just listen to a few examples of that. Psalm 25 and verse 5. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are my God and Savior and my hope is in you all day long. Psalm 31 verse 24. Be strong and take heart all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 33, verses 18 and 20. Let's read the, these out loud together. Would you read this with me? But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Psalm 42, verse 5, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Psalm 147, verse 11, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing Likewise, El Peace in its various forms is used 84 times in the New Testament. And here's some of the better known passages, I believe. Romans 15, verse 13, today's text. We read it a moment ago. Here it is again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Titus 2, verses 13 and 14, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Hebrews 6, verse 19, let's read this one out loud together. Are we having trouble there, Natasha? <laughs> there we go. Read this with me, would you? We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Don't miss that last phrase. An anchor for the soul, firm and secure. That's hope in the biblical sense of the word. Hope with certainty, hope with conviction, unwavering and unshakable uh, assurance, expectation, anticipation. It's an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Which brings us to our second main point today, and that's expanding hope. Let's expand on this definition we've tried to frame here. As I was studying through all of these scripture references to hope in the Old and New Testaments, I began to see a some patterns, if you will, that were emerging, some characteristics of hope that I think may help us to more fully grasp the meaning of this glorious truth. As I sifted through all of these Bible verses, and believe me, I read every one of them, I began to gather their descriptions and I put them under three different headings. Let me give them to you. Number one, it is a living hope. It is a living hope. In his salutation at the beginning of his first epistle, the Apostle Peter breaks forth with these words of praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now don't miss Peter's words. He's given us a new birth into a living hope. A living hope how? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, Peter writes. And this hope that we're talking about today 
is a living hope. Because of Jesus' resurrection, because he defeated sin and death on our behalf, we too share in his victory. We too have new resurrection life. Again, in Peter's words, he has given us new birth into a living hope. And please understand, this new birth into a living hope is something that each and every one who is born again is experiencing right now, today. If you are a Christ follower... If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of your life, this living hope is yours in the present tense. This hope is not just a future event, although it is that, and we'll get to that in a moment, but it is a present event. If you are saved, this living hope is yours to enjoy today and tomorrow and the next day and for. Earlier we sang those words, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Not only is this hope a living hope, number two, it is a longing hope. It is a longing hope. David cried out in Psalm 119 verse 81, My whole being longs for your salvation. My hope yearns for your promise. In similar fashion, the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 2, But now we groan in this earthly tent, that's our bodies, longing for God to give us our heavenly home. I just wonder, are we longing for heaven? Do we yearn? Do we groan for our heavenly home? The implication here is that this longing hope is active, not passive. We're not just sitting back and waiting impassively for the promise of heaven to become reality. We are actively longing for it. There's not a day that passes that we don't yearn and groan for Jesus' return. This longing hope permeates our thoughts. It is our first thought in the morning when we wake up. It is our last thought in the evening when we go to sleep. Could this be the day, Lord Jesus? Could this be the night, Lord Jesus, when you come again? As he neared the end of his own earthly life, this is how Paul expressed his longing. In fact, let's read 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8 out loud together. Would you read this with me? Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. It is a living hope. It is a longing hope. And thirdly, it is a lasting hope. It is a lasting hope. 
Earlier we read 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But then Peter just continues right on in verse 4. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for. You. Don't skip over those words too quickly. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That's a lasting hope. And it is being kept, it says. By the word, that word kept there means guarded, like we're talking about guarded with everything possible. That is being guarded and protected in heaven for you. In Colossians 1 and verse 5, Paul describes it as the hope stored up for you in heaven. This hope is secured. It is guaranteed. It is kept in heaven. It is stored up for you in heaven. My prayer for you is the same prayer that Paul prayed for his readers in Ephesians 1 and verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And again, Hebrews 6 verse 19 reminds us we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This hope is much, much more than the longing or desire for something accompanied by the belief in the possibility of its occurrence. That dictionary definition doesn't even come close. No, we are talking about hope with certainty. Hope with conviction, unwavering and unshakable assurance, expectation, anticipation. It is a lasting hope. And that brings us to our third main point today, experiencing hope. I suppose that this Advent sermon begs the question, are you experiencing this living, longing, lasting hope in your life? today. Time out here. Let's, let's just stop and get real for a minute. No more beating around the bush about this. No concerns whether or not what I'm going to say next is politically correct or not. <laughs> no whitewashing or cover-ups. I'm just going to call it as I see it. The worst condition of the human soul is to be without hope. In a word, write it down in your notes, hopelessness. Hopelessness. Ephesians 2 verse 12 describes it this way, without hope and without God in the world. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 simply talks about humankind who have no hope. I can think of nothing in life, absolutely nothing, that could be worse than to be hopeless. Yet if there was ever a single word used to describe the end result of sin upon the human soul, I think this is it. Hopelessness. Again, in Paul's words, without hope, without God. If you are hopeless or anywhere near so, I've got some good news for you today. Advent, Christmas provides the answer to your hopelessness. 
You can experience living, longing, lasting hope because of the good news that the angel announced to the shepherds on that very first Christmas some 2,000 years ago. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There's only one cure for hopelessness. There's only one answer to being without hope. In a word, write it down there in your notes, Jesus. Jesus. The angel Gabriel told Joseph, she will give birth to a son near to give him the name Jesus, which by the way means savior or deliverer, because he will save his people from their sins. Living, longing, lasting hope only comes to us when we come to Jesus. When we personally and individually choose to receive the salvation from our sin that he alone can offer to us. There is no other source of hope but him. Again, Peter writes, in his great mercy he's given us new birth into a living hope. And so I ask, have you experienced this new birth? Have you been born again? That's a term we don't use as often as we used to. We ought to use it more. Are you saved today? Do you know for certain that you are going to heaven? Jesus is the one and the only answer for our hopelessness. As someone aptly put it, life with Christ is an endless hope. Life without Christ is a hopeless end. Now, as we wrap up today's Advent lesson on hope, there's one more point that I want to emphasize, and that's expressing hope. Let's read uh, 1 Peter 3 and verse 15 out loud together. Would you read this verse with me? But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. Hmm. To the point... We should be expressing our hope to others. Hope is not private. It is public. Hope is not something that you just keep to yourself. You share it. In fact, our living, longing, lasting hope, Peter says, should be so apparent in our lives that those around us without hope will ask us to give a reason for the hope that we have. Hmm. Sobering thought. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. You see, hope gives us that boldness. Or does it? I just got to ask, are you bold? Hmm. Are we bold in expressing our hope to others? Now, let me get really, really practical in applying this last point. I provided a blank in your lesson notes. And I'm going to challenge you to write one name. Only one name. Someone in your circle of influence with whom you will have regular contact throughout this Advent season we're in right now who does not yet follow Christ. 
Could be a family member, a friend, a coworker, a schoolmate, a neighbor, or someone else with whom you regularly rub elbows, who to your knowledge has not yet placed his or her faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you to write down his or her name, and I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to pray for him or her from now through Christmas. What are you waiting for? Come on, write down a name. I already wrote mine down. Who is God going to lay in your heart? Maybe you don't know for sure. Maybe that's kind of stumping you right now. Well, you know what? Don't forget to come back to this when you get home later <laughs> and fill in that blank. I'd like to know that all of us here at Springville Naz are praying for that one person one person that God has laid on our hearts who needs to embrace Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord of his or her life. And so I'm going to ask you to cry out for their salvation, to ask God to give you opportunities to express your hope in Christ to them during this Advent season. Because hope has to be expressed. You can't keep it to yourself. The heart of Christmas. In our first Advent lesson today, we've talked about how hope is at the heart of Christmas. Let's just close by reading today's text, Romans 15, 13, out loud together. I want to just wrap it up by reading this one more time. Would you read this with me? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, may that be true of us. May we experience this hope, this living, longing, lasting hope in our lives May it be a reality every day. May it show up in our lives so clearly that other people are going to be drawn to it and other people will ask us to give the reason for the hope that we have. Let's not keep this to ourselves. During this Advent season, let us carry the hope of Jesus into this world around us. And that starts with that one person. I lift up all of these one persons today, all of these names that we have written in that blank, people who need to come to know you, people that we need to express our hope to. Give us opportunity in this Advent season <clears throat> to be able to share the hope with hopeless people. May it shine from our lives, Lord. May it just bubble over from our hearts. May it just be so evident that, that people are drawn to it. And, and in this pretty hopeless world that we live in where people are, are looking for answers, would they see demonstrated in us what we say and what we do and our character and our behavior, would they see Jesus in us? And in and, and seeing Jesus in us, would they see the hope that's in him? Help us, O oh Lord.
to spread the hope. For we pray it in Jesus' name, the one who is our hope. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.